Living as a Catholic can be difficult. It can become even more difficult when faced with mental illness. Today on our Catholic Creatives Corner, Brooke Strauss, owner of Visual Litany, a Catholic visual art business on Peter's Square, joins Chris to discuss her discovering of the richness and beauty of traditional Catholicism, the struggle of depression and anxiety as a Catholic wife and mother, and shares her advice for those who may be questioning the pursuit of creating good art in today's secular postmodern culture. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Welcome back to the Theology of the Buddy podcast, episode six. All right, Brooke, welcome to the Theology of the Buddy podcast, Catholic Creatives Corner. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's so good to have you on the show. Brooke and I have been friends for too many years, it seems. Um, Okay, I've known you for a long time, and then I, and then I didn't. I wasn't friends with you, really. You you were a kid when I was a youth minister. Yep, and I didn't go. And you I didn't had go to life too teen, much which... anxiety about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was okay with singing life teen music, but I was not going to go to life teen yeah, youth yeah. ministry. You were the kidding. one that you were the one that got away, but we got you in the end. I so. came back. <laughs> <laughs> we got you in the end. All right. Well. Brooke, um, thank you so much for for chatting with us today. One of the things we were talking about um, before the show um, was we wanted to kind of get your your insight um, as a as a Catholic artist mm-hmm. who's also a wife mm-hmm. and a mother uh-huh. and a new a newfound traditional Catholic. Yes, I guess we could yes. say. Um, let let's let's start from from the beginning for you. Um, what what was the role that faith played for you growing up? Well, we always went to church. Like we always, we went pretty much every Sunday. Uh, we knew it was important, but we didn't really have that relationship with Jesus to understand why it was important. Um, you know, that's just what we did. And um, I think being in the choir kind of kept me there because um, I knew it was important. And I was I was interested. Like, I didn't really question anything, though. Um, zero catechesis. Um, like, you know, we didn't I didn't know how important um, GP2 was till after he had passed away for me anyway. Um, didn't know anything about, you know, uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict. Like, there's so much obvious stuff that now it's just like okay yeah that's you know should be common knowledge i guess you know um but we just didn't know but more importantly we didn't understand the importance of the eucharist we didn't understand um you know um the role of the sacraments especially that of confession and um you know just you you kind of felt robbed i guess when you learn years later um, 
the importance of those things. And then you find out it's just like, wait, I didn't know this. Like, uh, and then you got to kind of start from ground zero. Mm -hmm. So when, when did that, that kind of moment happen for you? Um, so, or, or was it, was it more of a, like a slow burn and growth for you? I think it's, it's kind of a slow burn, but I want to say my relationship, um, as a friend to my now husband was kind of what got me asking more questions and whatnot. Um, I know certain other hosts of the show are going to probably dislike me, but Theology of the Body was a pinnacle, um, I don't want to say teaching, but uh, it was just a pinnacle lesson I, I want to say that helped me kind of understand other truths. And, um, you know, when I talked about, you know, saving myself or marriage and um, the importance of having a family and, and whatnot, it, Mike was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, stuff like theology of the body, humanae vitae, those kinds of things. So he kind of gave me the words for something that I really kind of had it embedded in my heart already. Mm. Um if that makes any sense. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. But um, it does make sense. It was just like kind of that uh, God's plan already in your heart. And then finally you have the words to express it and want to get closer to God through the through that little kind of spark that he always just kind of had there waiting for you to just blaze. Mm. And then it was kind of a burn because you kind of felt, wait, there are church teachings on this subject matter? Which led me to other church teachings on different subject matter, like the Eucharist, um, transubstantiation, uh, Mary, um, you know, various lives of the saints that, you know, were um, heroes, I guess. And uh, yeah, but definitely my now husband helped me question things more. That's awesome. And how old were you at that point? Um, Mike and I started talking when I was... Uh, just going into my first year of university. Okay. But I never, I never stopped going to church. I was, no. I was still going to church. Yeah, I can verify that. I saw you every Sunday. Yeah. I told you to come down to Life Team. And I didn't. And you never did. Nah. That's okay. I'm That's sorry. Okay. Hey, can... I'm just glad you're here now at this point. Um, I gotta ask you. So, going back, when did when did art start to be something that became a passion for you so I basically me drawing all the way through elementary school um I remember specifically like dedicating daily time probably when I was in the sixth grade seventh grade for sure um but it was like every day I was doing a lot of drawing I was big into anime so that was like my thing is you know drawing all these cool anime characters and and whatnot and um and uh, doing storytelling with these anime characters that I would make up. And um, I did a lot of drawing. And um, yeah, uh, that's kind of where it kind of started. So like how old were you at that point? Um, so if it was grade six, seven, so that would be like grade, that would be like 11. Yeah. Right? 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Something that like that. Sense. Now, why? Why art? Yes, I think, is my question. I think it's because that's what I was good at. 
I liked it. I like to create something. Um, yeah, you could just, you could do anything with it. You could express yourself with it. You could, um, you know, share a memory or, you know, I don't know. It was a creative outlet. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it was fun. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, now we've, we've spoken in the past about, um, your struggle with anxiety and depression in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, when did when did depression and anxiety start to creep in in your life? So I definitely know I was depressed um, probably for sure in the eighth grade. So I had a lot of friends that were older than me. So when I was in the eighth grade, they were already off in high school. So I was on my own. And I just didn't click very well with a lot of the people in school. Like, that's not a, a new thing that happens to a lot of people. You just just don't click. Um, and uh, come high school, I think my first panic attack was in grade 9 or 10. And it was, with, looking back, something really, really silly. But it was just like the end of the world kind of happening like I get I get shaky even just thinking about it because it was so I don't know it's just like it's like a PTSD you experience I guess mm-hmm. um but uh yeah I I got help in in high school for it but nobody really slapped the term anxiety on it and then um you know my problems weren't really being solved in one way or another and uh, then you go off to university and you still have it and you still don't know it's called anxiety. Okay, wow. And then you get, you know, going on later and you learn, oh, I'm having panic attacks. That's, that makes sense. Like when you, when you Google it, like, you know, and then you, you know, get help and you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> you get support. <laughs> yeah. Now, get help. <laughs> yeah. So, so you started experiencing that when you were quite young around the same time that that art started to be an important outlet for you yeah how did that impact your art gosh um so even just like yesterday I was looking through I was cleaning out my closets to say (laughs) 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 and I was looking at all this artwork and looking back at you know time frames and they were so dark like like one of the pictures that I had was this guy that had, like, suicide cut into his neck. Like, that should have been, like, a 911 call. Yeah. <laughs> you know, someone should be like, she needs help. Like, you can, like, I could have denied it all I wanted. But there were, there must have been something going on. Um, but a lot of dark things. Like, I was drawing things that kind of demonic in a sense. Like... Yeah, a lot of self-harm pictures, even though I'd never personally done self-harm, I was drawing a lot of people that were. Hmm. So it was kind of just like this, like... Almost like a fantasy, It maybe? was almost like a fantasy, because, like, part of me t- said, you can't do that to yourself. Like, hmm. it would be bad to do that to yourself. People would so look at you. you have somebody else do it. Yeah, so you have yeah. somebody else do it, so you draw them. And, wow. uh, yeah, it's weird. And it's it's messed up. Like yeah. I don't draw that anymore. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's good. But that that experience of depression, you think that had a big impact on I, that on your art? I think so. I think so because like 
you're scared of talking about that kind of thing. And, you know, we like to say nowadays anyway, talking about depression and mental health is it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Um, but if you have it, you're still going to be hesitant. So I think for me then I was so hesitant on talking about it. I was so hesitant to say, you know, I'm having these thoughts or, you know, I don't think it's normal to draw people that are like hurting themselves. Like, really, it's not. You know, if you're a talented artist, you're not going to just regurgitate things like that, I guess. Or if you're a a mentally healthy person, you're not going to just regurgitate those things and think it's okay. Unless you're trying to drive a point, you know, a point about, hey, this is bad. And if this is happening, you need help. You can just, just, I don't know, draw it for the fun of it, I guess. It's kind of weird. Where where was where was God in your life at that point? I don't know. Like it's not it's I I don't know. He was always there. Like I guess he was always there. And I re- I remember praying to God that I wanted to die. Mm. Like I remember being like I can't do this. I can't kill myself. But like if you could do it, that would be great. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, I can't kill myself, so can you please kill me? Like, can you get me out of here? Like, it's kind of weird to think about that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, would, would, would you say that the fear of hell was what so. prevented you from committing suicide? I think so. I think so. Like, you know, when you're depressed, you don't think you have any value. Um, so you kind of think about that, but then at the same time, you got all these, like, feel these feelings that are just telling you that, you don't you don't matter you know and no one would really miss you like Mm. no you know whatever so but if god does it it's okay like if he kills you it's fine so so you pray for that it's it's messed up but you're you're not the only person who who's experienced that and there's a lot of people that i've talked to um who have dealt with those those kinds of exact feelings you know and even though it is somewhat, you know, a basic level of faith, um, that servile fear, um, you know, it's still, it's, it may have had a a huge impact Mm -hmm. in keeping you here. Yeah. Um, which, you know, praise God for that. Um, because if you hadn't have had that, you would never have gotten to really dive into your faith in, mm. in such a real way. It was a, a huge grace, it seems like. Yeah. Now, um, let's let's come back to your experience of, of starting to take the faith a little bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. So that was when you were in university. Yeah, first right? year. So I was about 19. You are about 19. 18 going on 19. Yeah. Um. Were there things in particular beyond um, beyond the the theology of the body um, that that really started to invigorate your faith from that point? Um, I think it would be the 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 true presence in the Eucharist. I remember that being another um, another topic that I hadn't really understood um also being reverent to the true presence of god of christ in the eucharist um 
yeah, those those were definitely the big ones anyway. Um, also, the importance of going to confession um, and uh, adoration, too, like spending time with Jesus. You know, I remember um, the bus stop that I, that was downtown on my way home. I could just like get off the bus, walk down the little street and go to, you know, the perpetual adoration and just spend some time with them. Sometimes it wasn't a whole hour. Sometimes it was like, well, my next the next bus home is going to be like 20 minutes from now. I got time. So you can go or, you know, you never have to worry. God's a master of time. He'll make time if you make time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, did did your now husband introduce those things to you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. did not know what adoration was. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you remember kind of your first experience of that? Sorry, I don't. No, no. <laughs> it's, it's a long time ago now. <laughs> <laughs> I've had two kids. Like, it's been busy. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, now, in terms of um, the importance of having good Catholic friends in particular, um, like, do you, do you, have you now kind of seen the importance of having people in your life that, like, do you, would you say that you, in order to be a solid Catholic, you really need to have solid Catholics in your life? Um, for me, yes. Now we do know that, you know, there are monks that could live on their own for decades and, you know, just totally be at peace with only receiving communion, you know, to going to mass and then back they go to be hermits, like on their own and contemplative prayer and uh but for me like it's good to kind of move along the road with other people you know people that are like hey did you read about uh, saint alphonsus Liguori? like he's pretty cool he talks about death a lot (laughs) (laughs) and you're like oh no and then you read it and then you're laying in bed awake at night like (laughs) memento mori (laughs) (laughs) but like you know you you're you're always going to try and lead your friends closer to Jesus, not away. Right. You know, there will be people in your lives that don't believe or want nothing to do with that. And um, the relationships are different. Um, but the ones that want you to get to heaven, like they're going to support you no matter what. They're going to pray for you no matter what. And it definitely has helped me. So you know, they care for your heart. They want to see you in heaven. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think it helps. <laughs> um, when you started to take your faith more seriously, um, looking back, um, what kind of changes did you see start happening in your life at that point? Like in my artwork? In, in, well, yeah, we're, we, we could talk about that too, but like in your life in concrete ways, like <sighs> modesty, <laughs> yeah. like not trying to, I don't know, you, you keep in mind those virtues, I guess, like, um, you keep in mind how you express yourself is important. Um, like I remember always keeping in mind, okay, is what I'm wearing modest? Is what I'm wearing respectful to not only myself but to other people? Um, 
you know, is what I'm drawing respectful to other people, to myself? Does it give God glory or does it give me glory? Um, you know, who, who, who am I, who am I looking towards? Where am I looking to go? You know, am I trying to please God in what I'm doing or am I just trying to make myself feel good? You know, um, and when I was working on my artwork, it was always like, okay, what truth can I convey in what I'm doing? Because um, truth, goodness, and beauty are, you know, super important within Catholicism, whether or not people know that or not. Um, so, I mean, you know, you want to be a tool in God's hands. And I wanted to do that through my artwork. I wanted to do that through um, dress, how I presented myself to the world. You know, yeah. Does that answer the question right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, definitely. Um, cause I wanted to ask in particular, how did your faith begin informing your art? Yeah. So, um, let me think here. I was still definitely doing more fantasy based artwork and surrealism artwork in university. Um, you know, I was still doing a lot of my anime stuff, which was fine and great. And I, and I still do a lot of anime because um, that's where I started out. You know. <laughs> um, and then uh, I think it was the first year of marriage. So 2015, I just thought I'm going to do a really cool drawing of St. Michael. You know, I want to do something that uh, shows power and, um, you know, something more interesting than some of the very tiptoey angel pictures that I kind of see of him. Um, so I drew him holding up the head of the dragon. <laughs> and uh, anatomically, a lot of it made no sense. <laughs> like, I think he had like an eight pack and a belly button. Like, and I think he had nipples too. Like, none of it made sense. Um, but I was just like, yeah, this is cool. I'm going to draw more. So then the next one I did was St. Therese of Lisieux and I drew like a whole bunch of flowers and it was really, really colorful. And I started to think this, this is what my art is meant for. This is what I want to be doing. And, um, yeah, I just started doing a whole bunch of them. I started, I did, you know, St. Kateri, like as soon as St. Therese was done. And, um, you know, I painted the, the three shepherd children from Fatima and, it uh it just kind of escalated now everything i do i'm just like if it ain't a saint like <laughs> like what am i doing <laughs> right. that's cool that's cool so so what drew you then to start visual litany i think it was that i wanted to um share with people you know my my artwork like my the talent, like I want to say, the talents God gave me, but you know, depends who you ask, I guess. Um, but my passion for artwork, and um, a lot of my artwork kind of comes from illustration and an anime background, so I wanted to tie that into Catholicism. So, you know, it's got a lot of bright color, it's got a lot of movement, it's got a lot of. Um, I, I like I want to say that I put a lot of thought into my pieces because I, I really do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but just trying to show people that Catholicism is beautiful and exciting and fun and deep. And it's not just static. It's not just, 
you know, it's not rigid. Like it's, it's exploding with beauty. And, uh, and I like to convey it in my artwork that there's like a constant movement. There's a lot going on and, and, uh, yeah, it's not muted. <laughs> Cause like, you know, those little prayer cards that, you know, you're, you probably got, you know, first communion, your first reconciliation. It's very muted. Yeah. Like the, they're like 1900s style pictures. Yeah. Like if you go into any antique shop, you'll see like a dozen of them and they've got like tiny little lips and rosy cheeks and I don't know, almost like doll saints. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, you know exactly know, what I'm talking about. I know what you're though. saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's like, oh, well, that's nice. But like, you know, you look back at, you know, Bernini's, I know I saw it in your laptop and that's how i remember but like the ecstasy of, of saint Teresa of avila it's like there's a lot of movement in there like it's just it's just deep and you can feel all these emotions but then you look at like some of these 1900s you know prayer card pictures and so it's like oh that doesn't make me feel much of anything right i know who that is that's about it right right like, the, like, if you see a prayer card of St. Therese of Lizio, like, nine times out of ten, that's not... She didn't look like that. No. 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 She's also one of the most difficult saints to actually capture. Yeah, because her, like, face shape. It's very yeah. heart-shaped, but very distinct. Yeah. Like, her eyes are distinct. Yeah. And her mouth. Yeah. She's a... She... There, it's difficult. Like, I, I find that she... Like, you can't find a lot of good pictures of her anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And statues too. It's rare to find a statue that really captures Therese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't know why that happens. Yeah. But I mean, if even if you look at like old icons, you got to wonder how reliable is that. Like, yeah. But they were working with what they had. Just you know, stylistically, that's kind of what they what they did. And I'm not saying icons are bad. Like I love iconography. It's great. Uh, I know you probably like it more than I do. <laughs> I love icons. <laughs> He's just like, I like it so much. <laughs> um, but I also have a ponytail, which also implies that I have more Eastern roots, according to uh, uh, Matt and Aaron. So, <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So we'll take a break here. We're going to roll a quick commercial for Visual Litany, and we'll be right back. Hi everybody, Julie here, the brains behind the whole operation. We just wanted to take a quick second and let you know that our lovely guest, Brooke, has graciously given a special promo code for our listeners. For use in her Visual Litany store, or for use with any art commissions you have in mind. We love Brooke's art, and have a few pieces hung in our home, and many of her different bookmarks in our most favorite Catholic books. For 15% off any order or commission, Visit petersquare.com slash shops slash visual dash litany and add coupon code buddy2019 at checkout. Or refer to the promo code when emailing her at visuallitany at gmail.com for a commission. Huge thanks again to Brooke and Visual Litany for joining us on the show today. Now, back to Chris and Brooke. All right. Well, welcome back. We're talking with uh, Brooke Strauss, the creator of Visual Litany. Thanks again so much, Brooke, um, for hanging out Yay. with us. So so just continuing on what we were talking about before. Um, so we we had mentioned your, your struggle, especially um, when you were younger mm-hmm. with mental illness, in particular with depression and anxiety. Um, 
mental illness doesn't simply go away no. when you become a Catholic. Like it doesn't. How how has mental illness impacted your faith or your ability to experience life as a Catholic? Um it definitely gives you something to pray about. Like I wouldn't necessarily tell somebody with mental illness, just pray and it'll go away. Because that's not that's not right. Um as a Catholic, you bear it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and nowadays, any anytime I start experiencing something, you have a you have something to give God to work with. You know, you you can give it to Him. Um, it doesn't mean it's going to go away. For some people, it might, and that's great. Um, but you can almost experience um, experience it with Him. Like you mm-hmm. know, our Lord felt intense agony on multiple occasions um you know with the loss of lazarus with um the agony in the garden Uh, i'm talking about like when lazarus died and he wept at the tomb um you know it's not like it's a foreign concept to be you know in emotional agony um but um you know as a catholic you you see it differently you know, you see it as either something to, you know, cower from and um, be afraid of or something that, you know, is a mountain to climb and to be curious about and to, um, you know, basically, you know, you know, you adjust the cross on your shoulder and you say, let's do this. Right. And then you just go, just, just go. And, you know, you might fall. You might fall more than three times, but Jesus is going to be there no matter what. Right. You know, he's going to help you through it if you let him. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there are people that are, don't ever overcome it. Right. Um, might never get better. But they keep going. You know, like, I remember, I remember after my first after my daughter was born um just saying um like don't give up on me like i'm not gonna give up on you just please don't give up on me and not that he ever would but there's that feeling that you're so alone and you're in incredible pain for one thing after a c-section like it it hurts (laughs) um you know just just don't give up on me i'm not gonna give up and i didn't give up i just kept going and uh I was going to get whatever God wanted me to get out of it, out of it. Right. So, um, but yeah, like, uh, just keep going. Yeah. I'm going to keep going no matter what. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Now, you know, among many, there can seem to be the belief that if you have faith in God, you know, God will simply heal all of your anxiety or depression. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever questioned the the legitimacy of your faith? When you were faced with these darker emotions? No. No. I think what I did wonder is, what do you want me to get out of this? You know, what wow. what, 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 am I supposed to learn from this? Or where is this, um, where is this darkness supposed to, where is the light in the darkness? Like, mm-hmm. show, show me where it is. You know, because he, he's doing something. He's always doing something. He's not a static God. He's always doing something. Um, and you know, just what do you want me to learn from this? You know, 
you're as a parent, sometimes you have to let your kid make a mistake or feel sad, you know, so they can learn. Um, and uh, sometimes God does that too. Not all the time, but sometimes that's just the reality of mental illness is sometimes you have to overcome something to get stronger and to get closer to him. And uh, for me, I think that's part of my experiences. You can either give up and say, screw you, God, I'm not going to have any of this anymore. You haven't helped me out of any of this. But in, but looking back, it's just like, nah, he was good. <laughs> he helped prepare me for the future. And he made me stronger for the future. Because, I don't know, that's just how my experience has been. Yeah. It'll be different for somebody else. But I mean, if you look at, um, you know, say Padre Pio, and you read his journal, how, like, a lot of us hear about, you know, don't have any worry, don't have any anxiety, cast it all to the Lord, uh, which is true. Definitely do those things. Yeah, like in Padre Pio say, pray, hope, and don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Right? But then you read his journal, and he felt extreme emotional spiritual sadness like he just was so desperate and so afraid to be without god that he'd almost it's almost like he fed into that sadness himself at times but he was definitely experiencing something or other that i don't fully understand yet i'm still reading through it you got to read that stuff slow don't rush through it (laughs) um but he definitely experienced a darkness um i don't want to say it was depression but maybe it was i don't know I hope to f- to ask him one day and find out. <laughs> um, but um, you know, it. Uh, where was I going with that? You were just saying how, like, essentially that even with these saints, they they experience those emotions. Yeah, too. yeah, and like um, even Saint Therese writes about how um, during prayer. Um, one day she was she was praying and she heard somebody tapping their foot and so i think i think it was her right i'm I'm not sure tell me tell me what you remember <laughs> well she a saint who was a nun <laughs> heard somebody tapping like crazy behind them like tapping their foot or something and that's all she could pray about was like i, c- I can't stand this like i can't stand this tapping and she yeah. got frustrated and frustrated and um Sometimes that's our best prayer. <laughs> yeah. Because God, I am frustrated. <laughs> and I hate this tapping. It driving it drives me nuts. Right. Like try hanging out with a three year old all day. You just have to give it to God. <laughs> <laughs> she is screaming again about the mac and cheese touching the ketchup that she's gonna dip the mac and cheese with. Saint Zaley Martin, pray for me. Because <laughs> I got my own Saint Therese. Who <laughs> was apparently a terrible toddler. Yeah, supposedly, right? Supposedly yeah. she was just an absolute absolute terror. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> I love you, Evie. If you listen to this one day. <laughs> yeah, I love you too. You're, um, you're great. <laughs> but uh but yeah. I, I like I like to think that any struggle we're presented with, be it mental illness or um your car breaking down in the middle of the night on a deserted road is an opportunity for us to get closer to god um if we let it be that you know right if we remember him in those moments you know 
Jesus asked for us to spend, you know, but an hour with him in the garden. So sometimes it might be, God, my car broke down. Can we hang out together? I know you went through so much worse than me, but this is what I have right now. Yeah. Can we just be together yeah. in this? And he's cool with that. I like to think. I think he's okay with that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. He wants to be with us no matter what. And inviting him, I, I'd like to think, makes him happy. Hmm. Maybe? I don't know. I hope, he, I, hope, I hope I can, when I, I hope if I see him, we can talk about those moments. <laughs> God, remember that one time where I had just had a baby and everything really hurt <laughs> and my friends came over and I was so sad. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being there with me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now you kind of just touched on, on my next question. So um, you've shared that postpartum depression played a, a significant role mm-hmm. following the birth of your first child. Yeah. Um, what did that look like for you? Like what did postpartum depression look like? Yeah. Um, constantly worried about everything. And this isn't uncommon. Like this is happens to so many more people than I think we like to think. Um, and maybe it's because we live in an age where, you know, you can post on social media about oh, look, I'm having a great day. Like, I'm out for coffee with my baby. Hashtag mom life. Hashtag Starbucks. You know, (laughs) fake it till you make it, (laughs) you know. And it's almost like living a double life. So um, for me, postpartum depression was uh, being alone a lot because we didn't have the opportunity to have Mike home all the time. So I was alone a lot. I didn't know what I was doing. We had no family nearby. Um, which again, is not uncommon, especially with, uh, you know, the workforce, the way it is. And, um, you know, even military families too. Um, but, uh, you're on your own a lot. You're questioning everything. You're going to Google for all the answers to every question, which is terrible. Um, things aren't following the step-by-step guide that are in the, um, what's the pregnancy book? Like, uh. What's this at? I don't know. It's really obnoxious. Yeah. Um, you know, like the, the, ugh, I hate that I can't remember because it's so signature. Yeah. I know exactly. I can even see the cover in you my can, mind. Everybody has one. Like every yeah. mom has one of these books. And uh, what yeah. What is it called? Oh, geez. Good news about sex and marriage by Christopher West. Just no, kidding. it wasn't Just that kidding. one. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's a very common pregnancy book, and then mm. there's like the one for after your baby is born, mm. and you're looking at like okay, within one to two months, your baby should be doing X, Y, and Z, and also sleeping through the night, and it's you know something like that. I don't really buy into that anymore. Um, I'm on the second kid, so. Um, you're questioning everything and like every pin just blows you away in terms of panic. Um, and you're also in a lot of pain because like, you know, postpartum is tough. <laughs> like just like after giving birth, whether C-section or natural or whatever, it's tough. And then when you have nobody there and you're tired and you don't know what you're doing, like 
ah, it's yeah. just screaming. Yeah, and you've already been dealing with anxiety yeah. and depression in the past, right? Yeah. So it kind of intensifies. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you have nobody there. So, and then when people do come and see you, and I and I talked to some of my friends who saw me, you know, um, in the early days, you know, several years ago, and I talk to them now with my new baby, and they're just like, you were very different then. Like, I was scared. <laughs> yeah. Like, you were not okay. And you thought you were okay, but you were not okay. And I'm just like, no, I wasn't okay. I'm okay now. I, I'm okay now, I think. Chris is shaking his head. <laughs> just no. kidding. Just kidding. He's Ter- not. He's terrible. not. <laughs> She's worse than um, ever before. Wait, you panic about everything. Right. And you panic about, like, going to the grocery store. You panic about driving an hour to see your family. Mm. It's like all the fun is sucked out of everything. Um, fortunately, I got treatment, um, especially yeah. with uh, progesterone. Was a huge help, um, progesterone therapy. So that was that connected with working with uh, natural family planning yeah. and yeah. and whatnot. They so. got me in there so fast, like as yeah. soon as um, you know, as soon as I started explaining my symptoms, um, my instructor said, "Yeah, we're we're gonna get you checked out," um, and uh, yeah, so they got me in there within a few days. I got the progesterone injection. And it was like a complete 180. Wow. Like, I can't advocate for it enough. It was just so life-changing, literally life-changing, to go in there thinking, this isn't going to work. Like, like, you know, is, is this shot actually going to help me? And it did. Like, I was just like, I felt happy. And, you know, um, it wasn't perfect after, and we worked on that, and that was great. Like I was able to to work through a lot of the other issues, um, but to have that boost was just huge. It was huge. Um, yeah, it was nice to be myself again, because <laughs> even Mike could see it too. It's just like, you know, I could sing while I was doing the dishes again, whereas before I was just like, you know, mind mind numbing. All you could think about is doing things right, you know meeting the expectations of other people, um, you know, being a good parent in everybody else's eyes. And uh, and then you're just like, oh, this is what it feels like to feel okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm still tired, but that's okay. <laughs> but at least I don't feel like I want to die again. Because right. I just got over that a few years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Right. So. What, was, it, was it similar to that level of of struggle it was it was different because you have somebody else you're taking care of Mm. in a different way um you know you have this tiny little beautiful baby you're supposed to be so excited about so enamored by and you're just not and you have such a hard time because you want to love so badly but you feel so broken that you can't um yeah it was it was weird and I think even now the relationship I have with my daughter is different. And I think it might have been because of that bond just wasn't there, wasn't quite healthy. Um, one thing in particular is it basically destroyed the first year of my life with her. I don't remember her first steps. I vaguely remember a video of her pulling up to stand, but I don't remember her crawling. I don't remember, 
I don't remember first words. I don't remember any of that. It's gone. So I only really get to experience that again when I look at Facebook memories, which is kind of sad. Wow. So like, so postpartum depression actually impacted your ability to process memory. Yeah, I, I think so. Wow. Like it, it, I just can't recall them. Just, like just I look like at a... my husband, Mike, and, you know, we look at Vincent, who is, they're exactly three years and one day apart. So we can compare pretty accurately, you know, their development, um, in terms of their age, I guess. And I was just like, I looked at Mike and I was like, was Evie this cute? Like, did Evie do these things? Did Evie, like, coo and giggle when we tickled her? Did she do those things? Wow. And I don't remember. Which is wow. sad, because that's not what you want, you know, a first-time mom to experience. No. You know, we, we glamorize motherhood so much in media. And then when you actually experience it, and that's kind of what you get... Which is, the, it was postpartum depression. It had nothing to do with Evie being a bad baby. It had everything to do with me being mentally ill. Mm. So def, I definitely think that, you know, postpartum depression affects your ability to retain memory. Because um, I, don't, I don't have it. And it's not like I just chose to forget. I just don't have them. Wow. It's weird. Wow. It's like Will Smith walked in and... Yeah, it's pulled like a, out a pen and just flashed you in the face. Yep. So this is the story, but all about how. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I don't even remember the words. <laughs> no, that, that that was more of a Men in Black reference, though. Oh, I know. Okay. <laughs> I was making a joke because it's. You're making a Fresh Prince joke. I, I was. get it. I yeah. get it. Okay. D Sorry. Now hold on. Are you old enough to remember the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? No, I only started watching it like couple of years ago when it was posted on netflix yeah, i bet you that anything. was it that was it i never watched it and then i watched it i was like how come i never watched this i didn't watch full house either chris i know i know i was watching like power rangers and spider-man and x-men yeah and gargoyles because gargoyles was a pretty cool show gargoyles actually was a good show it's a great show i have i have it on my shelf right now amazing like, you're a huge nerd. Oh, I'm so huge. <laughs> Speaking of nerd, so um, while you were dealing with all this this stuff going on, the postpartum and whatnot, um, how how big of a decision was it for you in the midst of all of that um, to finally come out to the Latin Mass? Oh, um, so we... Hmm... I'm trying to think of when we actually started going. We were definitely going after Evie was born. Um, and our town had had it. And Mike really wanted to start going. And I kept thinking about all the reasons not to go. So I was just like, Evie's going to cry. It's right in the middle of her nap. Like, what am I going to do if she starts crying? Blah, 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 blah. And I was so stubborn to go, like really digging my heels because I didn't want her to cry at the mass. I, did, I wanted to... You know, I wanted to be fully mentally present at the mass. I wanted I wanted so much out of it um, that I was really just too afraid to actually just go. Um, <laughs> and I didn't understand it. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what the book was doing. I didn't know the words, like blah, 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 blah. There were a lot of excuses to not go. Yeah. Um, and then um, when did we start fully going? We started going when we moved back to our hometown, I think. No, we were going full time in kitchener yes that was where it was kitchener 
<laughs> I can say that. <laughs> no one's going to come attack me. <laughs> or maybe they will. I don't know. Um, we started going full-time where, when it was like, this is fine. People have kids here. Like, if your baby starts crying, nobody's going to care. Yeah. Because, like, like, join the club. Everything's in Latin anyway. You're just reading the book. Like, just pray as you can. You know, be be present as you can. Be present with your children, however that may be. You know, your kid is crying. It's okay. You just take him. You can take him to the back or you can hug them. You might not be able to follow along in the book. That's okay. Just be there. You know, sometimes um, you just have to pray to God with with what you're doing, which is caring for your child. I keep people keep telling me that in the confessional, like every moment that you have with your children, you know, make a prayer out of it when you're changing the dirty diaper, when you're wiping the boogers, when you're wiping an unknown substance off of a wall, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like pray. And it's the same thing. Kind of when you're taking your kids to the Latin mass, it's an unknown territory for you when you're first going. Um, And you're so worried about not being able to do everything fully. You know, with the Novus Ordo, you're always doing something. Mm. You're constantly doing something. Um, But uh, and and how we interact there is different. You know, you're shaking hands or doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, But. The Latin Mass is very peaceful. It's very quiet. It's very contemplative, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Carmelite. Hashtag love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, and it's and it's different. Um, so when we finally started going more and learning how to participate, which was very different than the Novus Ordo, it started to become less. I don't want to say scary, but less unknown and more comfortable. Mm. You know, it, it takes a few tries. It's like someone else was talking about this, where it's like getting used to um, a whiskey. I think it was Dr. Taylor Marshall. He was talking about like the first time you drink whiskey, it's different. Or who was this? Somebody was just talking about it. Was Maybe it Billy, Billy Griffith? It might have been Billy. I think it was yeah. Billy, actually. And um, yeah, like the first time you have whiskey, you're going to go, ugh, the heck is that? Like. Yeah. Get it away from me. Um, but then you try it again later. It's like, okay, I'm trying to appreciate this. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're you're sitting down with uh, with Chris with Chris and you're having a whiskey and uh, it's just a normal Sunday. Yeah. You know, I'm not drinking anything. I got my bubbly right here. Yeah. Um, but uh, not a sponsor. Yeah, not a sponsor. <laughs> Shoot, I forgot about that kind of rule. Um, but yeah, like it becomes familiar and you start going, why didn't I just do this in the first place? Like, you know, now I go with a three-year-old, which is way scarier than taking a newborn. um, Cause she'd be cray cray. Um, And it's just, it's fine. Like just be present however you can be. And don't worry so much about doing it. You know, I don't know. literally buy the book like literally buy the book exactly (laughs) exactly like you know sometimes you're not going to be able to read through all of the prayers that the priest is saying you know that's just that's just part of parent life or you know um maybe you really had to go to the bathroom and you missed something i don't know um but it's just different like you don't have to worry so much just be 
just be there and just be there just be there <laughs> yeah would would you say that there was a mental shift that you had to make going from the novus ordo uh into the latin mass of kind of letting go of that control because yeah. i found that myself i found that i was always I had this mental understanding of you know okay, we have to have full active conscious participation. Mm -hmm. What does mm -hmm. that mean? That means I'm doing all the responses and I'm making mm -hmm. sure I'm, you know, I'm fully invested. You're singing all the bad songs. I'm singing every word of <laughs> gather us in. No, I wouldn't do that actually. Um, but, you know, yeah. Like, so would you say that you had that kind of mental shift too? Or was kind of, you, you start to understand like, this isn't me offering the mass. It's the priest offering the mass. Yeah. And we just join with that where we are at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you say you've experienced that? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, it, it's it's different because A, it's in a different language. Um, and while if you look at it from you, like the format, it's similar. Mm -hmm. But what the lay people do in the Novus Ordo is very different than what they do in the traditional Latin Mass. We actually don't do that much. Um, just good because yeah. <laughs> we don't need to um the sacrifice of the mass is what we're there for it's not about us it's about the sacrifice on calvary it's about that eternal um that moment i guess and heaven being as close to earth as possible um you know and uh we don't have to be shaking hands either I'm going to, I just can't, <laughs> can't do it. Uh, <laughs> I've become so dry. It happened so fast. <laughs> that's not saying I hate people that go to Nova Sordo. I don't. And I'm going to, I'll, I'll do the centerpiece. Just, I don't want to. <laughs> you should cut that out. <laughs> no, it's staying in. It's staying in. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> But it, it's a shift because it's so different than what we're yeah. used to. And that, I think, is what scares people. But like parenthood, you move into something you're not used to. Right. And you adjust and you change. And I'm not saying that the mass should change because it was already, there was nothing wrong with it. You know, no. there was nothing wrong with it in the traditional Latin mass. Um, it's beautiful. Um, and uh, once you kind of, get over yourself essentially once you start stop thinking that you know how the mass should look yeah coming you know in a Nova Sordo perspective I guess um and you start embracing what was already great and you start appreciating the beauty of it and um how perfect it's structured you know you start learning the history of it too and what what certain things mean um yeah, it's just you can't you can't change that. You don't want it to change. And you kind of wish that's how it had always been, right. you know, because we've had the Nova Sordo our entire lives, right? Yeah. Like, that's just what we grew up with. We grew yeah. up with Life Teen, like yeah, you know, we did Hillsong praise and worship at mass was just what we did, you know. Yeah. We'd be clapping, be dancing. <laughs> we did a lot of dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Cross clapping too, which I don't even. Anyways. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, as an artist, you know, um, one thing we didn't mention, like you, you went to university and you got a degree yeah. in art. I did. 
Major in visual art, minor in English. Yeah. Minor is very important because I do not speak in English very well. <laughs> I don't write it very well. She either. doesn't speak good. I don't speak good. Um, but with a with a degree in art like that, what what was your impression of the Latin Mass? It's when, beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, in comparison to the Novus Ordo, would you say like there's there's more of an art to the Latin Mass? Well, I mean, the building definitely can change things too um you know um how how we worship does matter and this is a topic that's just being discussed everywhere in the in the catholic reddits and youtube videos and whatnot um how we worship matters how we um build our churches matter you know how we venerate god matters like how we worship him matters how we um how we sing matters you know um in the latin mass gregorian chant is just a no-brainer like the human the best instrument is the human voice like it, it and it's all we really ever needed was the human voice we didn't need anything else you know if we listen to um you know the are they the dominican nuns or the benedictine nuns i can't remember when we listen to like a group of nuns singing a traditional Gregorian chant, it's beautiful. And all they have are their voices. You know, we didn't have to flare it up with, you know, guitars and tambourines and drums. We already had things kind of figured out, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and from an art perspective, um, you know, if we look at how churches are built, it's it's a no-brainer that a lot of the modernist churches that we see built between um, probably 1940s, 50s, and on, they're so cubey and really just blech. <laughs> like some of like the one church we went to, it had like this weird bathroom tile pink. You know what I'm talking about? Like on the walls, yeah. um, just tacky. It's just like, this doesn't make me feel like I'm in the house of God. I feel like I'm in a bathroom. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not okay. I think we had to go to it for like a Christmas mass. And I remember oh, wow. both of us being like, this is terrible. There was a lot of liturgical abuse happening there too. Um, so everything just was no. It was just a big no. Everything. Um, but Jesus was, was there. So that was great. And that's all we really needed. Um, from an art perspective, like, yeah, how, what we give to God is important and how we give it is important. You know, you can't just give God like a plain cube and say, this represents the human soul. That's not true. Is it though? So why would we build our churches to be I don't know, empty, like, you know, we wouldn't want to give a bad looking cardboard box to God, you know, I don't know. The ornate is beautiful when we, when it's meant to glorify God and make us feel like we're in a place of worship, I think. Like you look at the, the cathedrals built in France, you know, in the 1200s, the 1300s, and they're just gorgeous. Um, gothic architecture and, and, and whatnot, like it's, it's 
there's so much thought to it versus the ones that we see now that are just so static and cold and functional, but they're not beautiful. Truth, good, beauty. It doesn't have it. Like, it's just lazy. We could do so much better. And let's not cheap out on building beautiful churches. Let's not be lazy and and mute down artwork, you know. Let's let's invigorate it. Like let's make it full of life. If I was looking at the stained glass windows at church today and uh and they're colorful. Like, you know, they're representations of the life of Mary, of the stations of the cross, of, you know, all of those beautiful things. And um then you look at some other churches and it's just like this weird, I don't know, QB, like, look, here is a chalice. That's nice. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> like, wh- where, where, why did we get lazy? Why did we think that was good enough? You know, that's why with, when I do visual litany and when I'm working with, uh, I don't know, one of my favorites is the drawing of St. Teresa of Avila. I That's just, my absolute favorite I just one always, too. I just always go, That's it. You know, there's yeah. there's a flame kind of circling around her and and coming onto the onto the quill as she's like prayerfully meditating on the Holy Spirit and how she wants to write so badly and just Yeah, there's so much life. Like that would be like me drawing a stick person of it and writing Saint Teresa of Avila at the bottom. Yeah. It's adorable if a little kid does that. But if I do that, I don't know. (laughs) We're so much more capable than we let ourselves be. Yeah. You know, and and that it's unfortunate that we've done this disservice to to so Mm -hmm. many. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I think it really does. I was kind of thinking about this, too. Um, Brooke and I, we both go to the same parish and... um, Luckily, that that parish is where the the um, traditional Latin mass is said, and um, but that's a new thing and that hasn't always been there. Yeah. And, but I grew up there, received my sacraments there, and um, you know went to mass every Sunday faithfully there. And um, but yeah, looking at those stained glass windows and the architecture and the beauty of the actual parish itself, I was thinking about the fact that it, it did in fact have a power to catechize me mm-hmm. even without speaking one word. Yeah. You know, and I don't think I would be the Catholic I am today without having that mm-hmm. and without actually, you know, I don't know if, if, if young people are like me or not, but they, for me, I walked into that church every Sunday faithfully and spent a lot of time looking mm-hmm. and wondering mm-hmm. and questioning and even even to this day, I'm still learning things about that, the little intricacies, the little hidden things in that church yeah. that I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew about the, you know, that we had a baldacchino over top of the altar. I had no idea that a baldacchino was meant to go over a four post bed, mm-hmm. that the that it was pointing to the fact that the altar is the marriage bed, yeah. you know, yeah. like I had no idea, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I don't think our the the people that run the church necessarily have an idea um, that 
these beautiful things are are hidden away yeah tucked into the walls and into the and into the stained glass and into the you know the different pieces of furniture in the church and mm-hmm. and yeah i don't know it's it has a it has an incredible impact even without yeah. saying a, a, a word yeah it it's beauty captures us like beauty moves us Beauty moves us to question. Beauty moves us to want to get to know something better. You know, like, yeah. It's like when you look at a field of flowers and you go, wow, that's beautiful. And then you walk up and you pick up the one that you pick up a flower. It's like, wow, that's that's still beautiful. Like there's so much design to that. Yeah. You know, if you just look at a, I don't know, a painting that's just red. And it's selling for a million dollars, and it's like, nah, it's just, it's just red paint. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's yeah. just red paint. I don't know what you're trying to talk about tone or whatever, but you know, we got lazy. We started thinking we could outsmart people by dumbing things down. I guess, like, I don't know, minimalistic functionality kind of was forced upon a lot of parishes versus. Um, ornate beauty right you know I don't know we just lost ourselves thinking that we knew better we didn't oh yeah we thought we knew better we thought it would be helpful to make things less beautiful maybe I thought people would look inward more it just doesn't no Mm-mm. no when we look at when we look at things it helps us to pray like if you look at a picture of you know if I look at a picture of my kid on my phone you know I go wow that kid is beautiful like that's my kid you know it's beautiful and then if we look at you know I don't know a brick wall and we know a parish that has brick walls and it's just like all too well (laughs) that's not beauty yeah like that's just function but it's not beauty I'm glad that we go to a parish that has beautiful stained glass windows now (laughs) and a beautiful altar. The other church that we used to go to before we moved, I think, was a little bit more beautiful. I'm sorry, because it had a high altar. It had a beautiful high altar. It actually had one, two, three, five five altars. Yeah. This was St. Mary's. Kitchener. Yeah. 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 Our Lady of Sorrows in Kitchener. It's beautiful. I got married there. Yeah. It's a beautiful uh, parish. Yeah. And they have the Latin mass there now. They do now. Where, <laughs> where was it left? when I was going to get married? <laughs> right. right. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, beauty moves us. It's kind of like how when you look at Julie's face, it moves you to clean the kitchen a heck of a lot faster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it makes you do stuff. <laughs> it's true. I it- hope that happens Wait, Mike doesn't clean the kitchen very often. <laughs> it's I'm more cl- like he's running away, I think. He's running away. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Michael! <laughs> Michael! Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, wanted to ask one last final question. Sure. What advice would you give to Catholic artists who mm-hmm. may be afraid of sharing their art with the world? Don't be. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? Like... I went from drawing, you know, like to me, looking back, like just emptiness um, to drawing something that 
I hope can move people, you know, not to not closer to me, but to God. I don't think it always does that, but I do my best. Um, but just don't be afraid. If you're going to do something and you're doing it for God, like there's nothing bad that can really come from that. It, you know, when a kid works their hardest on a painting and presents it to you, you're going to you're going to look at it with with endearment. And with that same childlike innocence, we need to do that for God with whatever we make. You know, it might be wood burning. It might be um, 3D printing various religious statues or something or I don't know. Uh, whatever your craft may be, do it for God and and he'll transform you with it. I can say that after I started doing artwork that was motivated to help me grow closer to God, that it changed. I'd no longer draw angels with nipples and belly buttons and eight packs. (laughs) 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 Um, But seriously, though, like, just give it to him and he'll take it and he'll help you. You know, I'm sure Bernini wasn't always perfect. Um, but, uh, he started somewhere and now he still moves people to prayerful experiences with his pieces, which I hope to one day go and see myself. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid to be a Catholic artist. You know, God wants you to share truth, goodness, and beauty with the world, with whatever talent you have, be it singing, be it painting, be it drawing, 3d printing, anything just give it to him and do it for him awesome yeah awesome well thank you very much brooke for for chatting today (laughs) where can people find you um so i'm on peter square um which is what it is a catholic business platform um all of the vendors there are catholics um and uh yeah, it's just a wonderful place. It's like a Catholic Etsy, basically. And I've been with it for um, since, I want to say 2016 or 2017. Um, and you can find a lot of interesting products on there and a lot of interesting artists that do lots of different things. Uh, you can currently find me on Facebook as well. And my goal for 2019 is to hopefully get a website up and running uh, with kids that can be time consuming so you know it's a 2019 goal but you can't find me on facebook <laughs> that's awesome so they would look up at visual litany yeah yeah at visual litany and nice. uh and, and then peter square is uh www.petersquare.com yes let me verify yes petersquare.com petersquare.com and then look up visual litany in the search yeah yeah uh facebook is the easiest way to get a hold of me though too and i that's do a lot awesome. of custom stuff so Whatever people see is is there, but uh, I okay. love doing the custom stuff. <laughs> so so people can contact you and, and have you make custom pieces and yes. things like that. Yes. And so how can they contact you then? Would the Do you have an email address for Visual Litany? Yep. Uh, just visuallitany at gmail.com. Awesome. And awesome. Uh, you can send me a direct message on Facebook and you'll pretty much be guaranteed that I'll respond right away. Because anybody that has like a custom thing, that's like my jam. 
I want that. <laughs> I want to do those things so badly. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, you were saying that um, as a, a special offer, we're not we're not f- sponsored officially by Visual Litany. No, um, sorry. But hey, <laughs> <laughs> I wish. we're all in the same place, pal. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but as a special offer to our listeners, uh, you have a special offer to give. I do. So I've created a coupon um, for you to enjoy 15% off your entire purchase before shipping an applicable taxes and um yeah it's unlimited so it can be 15 percent off one of my bookmarks a print um or something custom you know that's awesome it's, uh using uh promo code buddy 2019 it expires december of 2019 so as soon as this goes live it's up you're good to go awesome yeah awesome well thank you very much thank again Brooke, for joining <laughs> us today and uh yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yes, that All sounds right. great. Thank Thanks you again. again. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to follow Brooke and her work with Visual Litany and follow her work on Facebook at Visual Litany. We could also really use your help. If you are a listener on iTunes or Stitcher, we'd love to hear from you. Please rate us and leave us a comment. We'd really appreciate it. Be sure to also follow and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play if you have not done so already. We would also love for you to like us on Facebook, at Theology of the Buddy, and join in the fun conversations we are having over there. The boys return next week for some more fun conversations. Until then... You stay classy, San Diego. And thanks for stopping by. But mainly, stay classy. Thanks for stopping by. Stay classy, I'm Ron Burgundy. Thanks for stopping by. Stay classy.